On March 31st, 1995, Terry Cottle commits suicide. His heart is then donated to a man who desperately needs a transplant. However, after receiving his new heart, the man's personality completely changes. He suddenly adopts the same characteristics as Terry Cottle. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruise Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Sonny Graham. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist basement. Gotta get a new shtick, man. (laughs) (laughs) Somewhere in Georgia, we are bringing you this lovely, lovely podcast. Two days ago, school was canceled because it rained six inches. Your school was canceled. Not mine. There's a school north of mine. Uh, My school wasn't fucking canceled. Is there. But now we're on snow watch. They're saying we could get two to four inches of snow. So, boys and girls, if you don't live in Georgia, just come on down. You don't know what the weather's going to be like. It's pretty cold. I mean. Yeah, it was 64. And then the wind chill today was about 30. Yeah. It's nice, man. It's real nice. Not too bad. So, Not- we get into the uh, five-star reviews. We have one this week from... I don't really know. Uh, Koi Odi Laka? C-O-Y-O-T-Y-L-K-A or I-K-A? Not too sure, but we appreciate the five-star review. That's why you're the best in the biz, man. Yeah, it's all my pronunciations. You're the best in the biz. Lyrical genius. <laughs> and they say these guys are the best. I'm a big fan here living in Ballground, Georgia. The thriving metropolis of Ballground, Georgia. <laughs> yeah, um... Blink and you'll miss it. But they got some damn good barbecue in Ballground. Really? Two brothers. I haven't been. Never? And you went to school up in that neck of the woods? It doesn't matter anymore. It's they have like, a sawdust floor. That's how good that barbecue is. It's never going to top. Um, it is never going to top well, Franklin Barbecue. Some of us can't go to Texas and eat brisket that melts in your mouth. Bro, we went one time to this place in um, up on the Ocoee called Dumpy's. It was. I've always wanted to go to a really, really redneck bar, and buddy, I, I I chalked that off my bucket list at Dumpy's. It was a former barn that they just made into a a bar. Get the fuck out! Of and here. they didn't have anything on tap, of course. It was just coolers full of beer pushed up to the. <laughs> oh, that's the best kind, right there, <laughs> yeah. bud. And they were having a special. I can't. Let me see what I can remember. It was like three dollars for a twelve ounce Miller or Bud Light. Or you could get um, a highlight, a 16 ounce highlight for two dollars. Well, you don't have to be a math scientist to realize what the better deal is. So I got fucked up on highlight that night. We went to uh, a <laughs> funny story about highlight. We, I was in between jobs when I first graduated with my bachelor's, and I had to help a buddy of mine. He was rewiring a food processing plant in Montezuma, Georgia. Jesus. Yeah. If you've never smelt processed yams, I know we've gone over this before in some of our other episodes. But that's the most horrible smell ever. We have, we have not, okay. under any circumstances, gone over processed. I swear yams. to God, we've talked about we this before. I know we have not. Okay, well it's deja vu then. Processed yams. Anyway, so we're pulling wire, 
in this damn food processing plant in Montezuma, Georgia. It probably employs 90% of the county. So, But for some reason, we eat at the only Chinese restaurant in Montezuma when there's a Mennonite clan down the road that has home-cooked meals, and I, he could, I couldn't talk him into going Dude, to eat there. Mennonites, I don't know when they got on that shtick of, of doing that. but God, it's the best my food. My mom used to get like enchiladas. From the whitest people you can imagine, and they were delicious. <laughs> it was this was amazing, yeah. but uh, so we somehow find our way to the other side of town, and we walk in this convenience store. I think we're going by Gatorade because it's the middle of July in South Georgia, so it's four thousand degrees. Yeah, and there's a a wash tub, the old galvanized wash tubs. Yeah, and that's how this that's how high class this this gas station was, and they had. 16 ounce Miller High Life's in the gold can for 35 cents a piece. What? Yeah. I looked at the cashier. I said, how many's in there? And it was something like 28. And I said, wrap them up. I said, how much would you sell me as is right now? Galvanized tub full of ice and the beer. And he's like, man, you can't have my, my tub, but uh, you're more than welcome to take it and dump it into something else. <laughs> So we we bought twenty eight sixteen ounce Miller High Lives for thirty five cents a yes. piece. You're damn right. I'll take the bite. I'm just gonna go find a cash machine. I looked at the guy and I was like, I don't give a shit if we drink them all tonight or not. No. <laughs> Listen, I know for a fact that beer can ruin to the point of of nauseating you if you drink it, but it will never get to the point where it'll kill you. Right. <laughs> I watched a man drink some that we had left out in a Lifesavers plastic cooler, one of them, the big yeah, cylinder yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. I watched a guy drink beer out of it that we left out in the hot sun and had slimed. The water had slimed, and he was like, ah, you just wash that off with a hose. Dude, you can get on YouTube, and you can watch a guy drink a 35-year-old can of Billy beer, <laughs> and that ends exactly how you think it Oh, was. God. It was bad when it was in date. Yeah. Well, you would know, old man. You're right. Um... Anyways, what are we speaking of beer? Good transition because yes. we are pros at this by now. What are we drinking tonight? We are drinking a Itaba IPA from Georgia's newest brewery, as In far as I know, Cartersville, Georgia. Cartersville, Georgia. Drowned Valley, which I'm unfamiliar with why it's called that, but that is a cool name. I know from experience that the hardest part of opening a brewery is picking out a name. I thought it was getting the money. No, it's pretty easy. <laughs> but uh, you have long-ass arguments about the name. And in the end, it doesn't fucking matter. Sure doesn't. But anyway, so yeah, it's a pretty decent IPA. Little, uh, I like it a little hoppier, but you know, that's just me. But since I don't have a competition, like I did last week, I can actually have a, a one or two, so I'm happy about that. But I digress. So we had the five-star review. We've got a lot of new followers on the Instagram and the Facebook. We're still getting a lot of downloads on our Bigfoot episode. We've got a, That's awesome. a surprising amount of downloads for our micro, latest microbrew. It is a head scratcher. It is. I mean, it was. Just so you know, if you if you are a listener to our podcast, and you say, "Well, that microbrew did not live up to the past couple episodes," well, they're not. 
Well, they're not really supposed to anyway, but we, in an excuse that we'll give is we recorded that, what, three months ago at least? I want to say it was recorded in October. Yeah, it was a while back. Yeah. A while back. And we we got one more mini episode in case of emergency that we'll put out. What happens is if something comes up and we can't record, we want to put out a mini episode. So at least we're still staying relevant and giving you some content. But we will be recording some new ones pretty soon. But we do have one that's one more that's pretty old. So if we release it and it doesn't live up to our current standards, that's that's the reason why. I will say that is that that microbrew was probably of the three the better one. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that, the the glitter one, man. Well, we were trashed. No. Trashed. <laughs> say we were trashed. We, I was. Tra- oh yeah, that's a good idea. Hell, it's two in the morning. <laughs> we drank twelve pack. Oh, I was trashed during the glitter episode, so no excuses there. But instead of doing them uh, after an episode, I think we're going to sit down and record four or five in a row on a, on a random day rather than do them after we've been drinking. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good idea. <laughs> So we did get our first uh, critical feedback, and this is the oh, best kind of feedback. Shit. Well, no, no, no. I mean, he did oh, it right. Okay. He says, he, t- <laughs> he, the subject line is, let me get back, are Arlo and Coach there? Uh-oh. <laughs> says, gents. Uh-oh. <laughs> Good evening. Just listened to the Sudbrink episode as part of Catching Up. I wanted to do a sober review of the math involved (laughs) and this guy goes all the way i mean he does the math he does a great job of the math basically he says that we made our error uh when we did a one percent slow down or something basically we didn't carry the decimal another tenth of the way over we oh if we're talking about decimals i didn't even fucking i know but basically uh decimals i'm a history teacher man or I'm a special education teacher now. He said that the uh, talk boy can decrease the speed 76% of the original, and then he goes through the math, um, and he gets 12 seconds, 9.5 seconds, and then 2.6 seconds. He says, considering, I'd say that considering possible degradation, this talk boy scenario is likely. Sorry to burst your bubble. Oh, well, I appreciate him actually doing taking the time to do the right math. And... Sober math or not, it, we would have got it wrong. So, Oh, yeah. But. That I, is good, though. I like the fact that he is a fan and he was like, well, I'm just going to sit down and do the math and see if it is the top boy. That's what we want is we want people to to a, think on their that's own. That's amazing. Yeah. If you haven't listened to our Gary Sobrink case, it is still um, one of my favorite yeah. episodes that we've done. And I, I'm sorry. I still don't believe it's fake. That was the man in black, dude. Yeah. Well, this is Mr. C. Browning 250. So, Mr. C. Browning, we appreciate your feedback, yeah, and man, thank you awesome, for uh, for fact-checking us. We really do appreciate it. Now we get to the case at hand. No, I kind of want to talk about uh, Gary Sobering now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do a redux, man. And this, ladies and gentlemen, can lead you a lot of different ways. There is a lot of... Well, no, no, no. Let me back up. There's not a lot of articles out there about this. I think there's three relevant ones when it happened. The Daily Mail did two articles, one when it first happened, and then one that they dug a little deeper in. There is one video on this, and it's a Rob Dyke, or a Rob Gavon now, is what he calls himself now. It's one of his seriously strangest, but he does a countdown, and 
I couldn't find it. I couldn't find that one. I found two, but one of them was trying to debunk it or something. And I I couldn't get through it. His was a. It wasn't even a good Cockney British accent. Oh, was it, it the just, one that had the Dunder Mifflin in the background? Yeah, yeah that was terrible. Um, so there is an NBC News article. There's a CBS News article, and like I said, there's a Daily Mail article. There are a couple of Reddit threads but it's not even un, under unresolved or mysterious it's a it's a weird page that's listed under and then web sleuths only had three pages and most of it was people throwing shade at the the wife so there are some there are some funny theories when we get to theories i'll have to bring them up they are pretty well, pretty do, funny let's get to it so what we're talking about what we're talking about here is sunny graham and Terry Cottle. Mr. Terry Cottle. And what they have in common is the same heart. Uh, Terry Cottle committed suicide and we're getting and we're getting mixed reports about what day. I have read several things where it says it is the same day, but we're gonna go with March thirty first. Let's do that. In one of the articles it states that Terry Cottle's wife Miss Cheryl Sweat. They had gotten into an argument, and he had gone into the bathroom. And we're going to say March 31st, and he had basically put a gun to his head and pulled the trigger. But from the article standpoint, it sounded like he was still somewhat conscious, or right he, before he didn't, he didn't kill him instantly. Right. He so he called out to his wife and begged for help. Help. Said, yeah. Hey, I, baby, baby, I'm dying. Yeah. And so he was on life support for four days, and then she decided not to leave him in a vegetative state. And so they harvested his organs. Man, I, I'm so I'm so on the fence about what I would do. I don't have a prime I don't have a prime directive or anything yet. I probably need to, but I'm on the fence, man. Do you really want him to pull the plug on you? If I'm brain dead, I do. Well, what happens if your brain comes back? How do you know? Well, Spock ain't coming down to touch me. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> so she decides to go ahead and they allow the organs to be harvested and there was an older gentleman in Hilton Head, South Carolina that was on the waiting list for a heart transplant. His name was Sonny Graham. So Sonny gets Mr. Cottle's heart. So before we get into the weirdness and the strangeness, let's talk a little bit of a backstory on Mr. Cottle. In 1988, Terry Cottle was living with his wife and their two young daughters in one of the subsidized apartment buildings that they managed in Jasper County, South Carolina. Cottle's boss had a daughter, and this was Cheryl Sweat. And she had recently had her three-year marriage annulled on grounds that her husband was married to someone else. It was someone that called and said, I just want you to know your husband is seeing my wife. Oh. Yeah. It's not a conversation. No, 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 no. So there is some conflicting reports about how they got together, but let's just fast forward and say that Cheryl and Terry got together in May of 1989. And basically... Everything was rainbows and unicorns at the beginning. 
Just like, well, it always is. Yeah. So Terry adopts Cheryl's two sons, Christopher and Timmy, and then they have a daughter, Jessica, together. So Cottle continues to work managing the apartment buildings, and uh, Cheryl is working on her nursing degree. So they move around Christmas of 1994 to Monk's Corner, South Carolina. And it's at this time that Cheryl's mother moves in with them. And they are all living, three adults, three kids, in a double wide. That is some cramped space. That's some, uh... You gotta love each other to live. That's some country stuff right there, baby. You gotta love each other to live that close together. So Terry had his real estate license, and he, through the local technical school and some online testing, became a certified emergency medical technician. But according to friends and family, uh, that was not enough. Cheryl is constantly on Terry about making more money. They need more money, da-da-da-da-da. Well, Terry reaches back out to his ex-wife, and he has her call an 800 number to an exterminating company where he was working at the time so that Cheryl would not know. And he had asked her to call him one time, and when they got on the phone, he told her, please talk to me. I've got a gun to my head. And this is in late 95. So according to Cottle's family, within a month of his mother-in-law arriving, he had had enough and had moved out of the trailer, and he had moved in with his sister, Miss Tammy Erickson. It didn't take long. Cheryl started coming back around, cooking dinner for Terry and his sister, and then spending the night in the bedroom that Terry was staying in at Tammy's house. It actually just kind of worked out that they were going to patch it back together, and Tammy, his sister, was actually pregnant with her second child and needed the room that Terry was staying in for a nursery. So she had kind of told him, if you love her and you want to make this work, you need to go home and you need to try to make it work. And so he did... And look where that got him. It didn't get him a very good place. <laughs> so he moves back in probably about the end of February. And about three weeks later, around March 15th, Terry and Cheryl get into a huge argument. And Cheryl told Terry that she couldn't stay married to a man who made less money than she did. And at some point, her son, Timmy says that she took off her wedding ring and threw it over the fence in the backyard. Brother, thank God my wife doesn't adhere to that um, particular uh, line of thinking because she never got with my my ass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. I just, I don't know. But, well, I'll save my opinions for later. But anyway, so by the morning, Terry had kind of come to his senses and figured, you know, fuck this, I'm leaving. He comes back at some point, and this is around the 31st, 1st of April, and he's cleaning out the last things of his in the trailer. 
And so he goes into the the bathroom, and the next thing Cheryl knows, she hears a gunshot. Mm, terrible. Uh, initially, Cheryl had told the sheriff's investigators that it was her 10-year-old son, Christopher, that had heard the shot and come running and told her that Terry had shot himself. And she stated that she had ran into the bathroom and found him with the revolver still in his hand. And she would kind of change that and later on, and this kind of matches the coroner's report, and she would say that she was actually eating oatmeal when one of her boys yelled, Mom, Dad has a gun. She said that she ran towards the bathroom and saw Terry standing up looking at her with a gun in his hand. She said that she yelled something like, Terry, wait, and it was about the same time as he pushed the door closed and shot himself. And that's where the that you had stated that he's yelling out, help me, help me, I'm dying. Yeah, like, baby, help me. Like, ugh, it's awful, man. Yeah. Like. And he shot himself with a twenty two caliber pistol. And so it, it, right behind the right ear, so it entered the brain, or entered the head and never came out. Like, most people that survive their suicide attempt talk about regret the hell out of it, you know. There's a documentary called The Bridge about Golden Gate Bridge and all the people that have jumped to their death. It's a crazy documentary. So sad. But they actually talk about, talk to the one guy that survived. And that's all he said is like, as soon as he let go, like the moment he let go, he was like, why did I do this? This was so stupid. Why would I commit suicide? So that you can... I'm sure that that's what Terry was thinking. And that's just so, that's just terrible. Yeah, it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. I also heard that it doesn't solve your problems. No, you just it transfer. It passes them on to your loved ones. Yeah, you just transfer all those problems to your your family and cause them so much more hurt. And people, people just don't realize, you know, maybe they just don't realize how much they're cared for. Until right after they're gone, like they'll never know because they're gone. It's people. People do care. They're just really shitty at showing it sometimes, you know. Well, and we all get busy in our daily lives, yeah, yeah. Like and we don't busy. take the time to tell people we appreciate yeah. them. And so, anyway, let's let's keep going. So, so basically, about four days after Terry commits suicide. He is in the trauma unit at the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston. And Cheryl states that it was her father-in-law, Terry's dad, that urged... I'm sorry. Just the way you said that. It's like, okay, well, that's her father-in-law. It's his dad. Like, yeah, but I just don't. I guess my thing <laughs> is, you said it like you were revealing like this big surprise. Like, no, I just is dad. <laughs> dun dun dun. But it, I don't see where the. <laughs> anyway, supposedly she says that his dad came to her and urged her to take Terry off of life support and okay. donate his organs. So that's where I'm. I'm not saying that he. He didn't. I mean, it may be one of those things. It just seems odd to me. But there's a lot of things in this whole story that's odd to me. Yeah. If that was the oddest thing, we wouldn't be talking about it. Yeah. 
she does agree to take Terry off of life support and donate his organs. And about 60 miles southwest is a 57-year-old man named Sonny Graham. And he had been on a waiting list for a heart transplant, 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 transplant for more than a year. His real name was Remus T. Graham. And he went by Sonny. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. I want to know what the T is if the R is Remus. Man, if I ever had a son, like, I, I was, I was, I would really would like to name him. Tweedledee and Tweedledum. William Robert. For a name. That's such a strong name. Billy Bob? But yeah. <laughs> you shorten it to Billy Bob and it ruins everything. It's like, God, <sighs> way to ruin it. I mean, you could give him one of them $4 names and name him William Robert Thornton. Coach. No. Not then he would be a Billy Bob Thornton coach. No. All right, so uh, let's get into a little bit of Mr. Uh, Sonny Graham's backstory. He was a longtime manager of the Central Plant for Hargrave Communication, and that is Hilton Head's telephone service provider. He knew just about everyone on Hilton Head. And supposedly, this man's Brunswick stew was a staple of community events and fundraisers. They make it better in Brunswick. Yeah, well, that's because it's Brunswick stew. He was such a big community member that his local high school football field was named in his honor. Oh, that's awesome. And in the South, boys and girls, that's almost like getting a seat next to God. Yeah, like, for real. Like, you ain't kidding. You get a high school football field named after you or a, or a stadium named after you? Yeah. You're highfalutin. Yeah, you sure are. Now, he was a native of Lyons, Georgia, and Lyons is near the thriving metropolis of Vidalia. Mm. And I don't know if some of our listeners know this, if you're outside the state of Georgia, but Vidalia is the heart of the sweet onion country. Yeah, if you've ever had a Vidalia onion, guaranteed it came from Vidalia. So, it's not just, yeah, it's, for whatever reason, you can't grow them somewhere else. No, and they're goddamn, they're good. They are very good. I don't know. I'm not a scientist, clearly, so I don't know the whole biology behind it may be like the the bagels in new york that shitty water that new yorkers won't drink make the best bagels dude no bullshit i watched a show about uh, on travel channel about pizza about who has the best pizza they took some new york city firemen and they were interviewing them they're like what makes new york city the best pizza and they're like oh it's the water it's the water and i swear to god no if i'm lying i'm dying they took water from los angeles water from chicago does los angeles have water that sometimes (laughs) And water from New York, and they used the same ingredients and made three separate pizzas with the same ingredients. The only difference was the water. And the New York City firemen were like, all all of them were like, "That's it." Yeah, New York that one's the best, and it was the New York water. So there's something to it. Is it the amount of bodies that Al Capone floated in the? Al 
Pong's from Chicago. I know. That's what Jesus I was waiting on you to hear. Was it deep dish then? Or it <laughs> oh my God. Let's move on. <laughs> you uncultured swine. Or, or, or next you're gonna next you're gonna tell me that Meyer Lansky was a Jewish guy. <laughs> Can we move on with the case? <laughs> All right, so Mister, I've tickled myself over here. My own joke. So Mister Graham, like I said, was from Lyons, Georgia, which is near Vidalia. I wonder if he ever did the watermelon crawl. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Stop. Cut him off. He was, in all seriousness, he was um, a fixture at the Heritage Golf Tournament on uh, Hilton Head. And for those of you that are not from the South, the Heritage Golf Tournament is played the weekend after the Masters. And it is a very nice uh, golf course up there. It's called the Sea Pines Resort. And when... Mr. Graham retired from Hargrave, he would return and volunteer to run the uh, attorney's communication trailer. So he knew, he was well connected. He was redheaded, an Air Force veteran, avid fisherman and hunter, and one of his best friends named Bill Carson said he was a man's man. He was also the consummate family man. He had uh, been married to his wife, Elaine, for more than 30 years. They had two children, Gray and Michelle. But sometime in 1994, Sonny had contracted a virus that had damaged part of his heart muscle. And that's when things went south for him. And by early 1995, he was struggling to get out of a chair. And so his name goes on a transplant list. And around 5 p.m. on the day that Cheryl decides to take Mr. Cottle off life support, Mr. Graham gets a phone call and said that he had a heart available. And they were about to as close to a perfect match as you could get. It's still very strange to me that people were were at the technological level to be able to do that. You gonna put another man's heart inside your heart and make it work? I know a guy that's he's had one. Oh, dang man, I guess he's probably going on seven years. And I think you know once you get past six years, every day's a gift because they don't. I don't know. If, surely it's changed now, but I know back in the early '90s when this happened that uh, you know you you just extended your way of life. You didn't cheat the Grim Reaper. Mm-hmm. But um, so within six months of the transplant, Sonny was feeling better. He was well enough. Got the clear to go to. Uh, Alaska with his friends to go steelhead and trout fishing and he fe- he said that he felt like he was in his 30s again and uh, the doctor had suggested that he see a counselor in case he felt any guilt and Sonny declined and stated that he f- was sorry that the other guy died 
but now this heart is his. But it's then, right after this statement, that his friends say that they start seeing some subtle changes in his demeanor. And what might those changes be? Well, he's going to take on the characteristics of Terry Cottle in a very strange way. Before the before the transplant, Mr. Graham had no. He didn't. He didn't like hot dogs. He didn't like beer. He didn't like anything like that. But apparently, afterwards, couldn't get enough of it. And Terry couldn't get enough of it. They were actually his favorite food. If he was having hot dogs, he was having a beer. Yeah, I mean that's that that goes hand in hand, like bacon and eggs, hot dogs and beer. Man, come on, like pro wrestling and the people's eyebrow. <laughs> well, so yeah, and it wasn't just limited to that. It was the the character traits. I mean, from everything I've researched, he just changed. But it really, really took a turn when he decided that he wanted to know who gave him the heart. He wanted to know the family. He contacted the donation agency, and they give him the information. He starts writing letters to Cheryl. And his kids warn him, look, this is a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to be for this. And his pastor's on record as saying that um, he could sense a, well, that's going to be a play on words, but basically he could tell that uh, Sonny had a sense of uneasiness about him, like he was restless. Yes, he did. He, he, he became extremely restless. But once he starts corresponding with Cheryl, they're going to decide to meet. And when they meet, Sonny is going to describe it as love at first sight. He's going to immediately fall in love with Cheryl. Yeah, and they meet at like some romantic waterfront restaurant in Charleston. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, they had been corresponding. So maybe He's there was... 69 years old. <laughs> so? She's 35. So? I'm not saying that it ain't... Can't happen. What do you mean it can't happen? It fucking did happen. I'm just saying... <laughs> Don't you put words in my mouth. Anyway. What, where, well, if you I'm know. thinking he's chewing on some blue diamonds, to be honest with you. Blue diamonds? Blue chew. Same goddamn thing. I said chewing on blue diamonds. Now you're going to try to take blue, my diamond away from blue me. Blue diamonds a fucking dog food company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so they meet after exchanging photographs and phone numbers. And I'm just saying, we got. there's a lot of editing more work we're doing here. More work we're doing? That's that's rich. All right, so here we go. All right. So they meet at a waterfront restaurant after exchanging phone calls, photographs, letters, and he would confess, like you said, that he instantly fell in love with her once he laid eyes on her. And she's going to obviously feel something for him, too. So maybe it's the, his personality that, that she was attracted to. Yeah, and she, you know, like most women, at first I didn't find him attractive, but they, he just kind of grew on me. She's going to get married two more times. So if Mary, you're not keeping track, 
Terry was number two. Sonny's going to be number five. That's a lot of marriages. In the words of Ron White, after four, you might want to look in the mirror and say, it might be me. Yeah, for real. (laughs) But in 2004, they're going to marry. So Sonny Graham is going to marry the widow of his heart transplant. Yeah, but you're getting ahead of yourself. In April, after they met... She marries husband number three, Mr. George Watkins. Sonny convinces his then-wife, Elaine, to attend the wedding, and Sonny gives Cheryl away in place of Cheryl's late father. This is an episode of Jerry Springer and the Twilight Zone wrapped into one. That is just fucked up. I fucking tried to tell you. What the absolute fuck, man? That husband number three gets Cheryl pregnant, and they have a son in January of 99. It's about that time, the first of the year of 99, that Sonny's wife Elaine realizes, hey, that relationship may be a little bit more than plutonic. Plutonic? It might be radioactive. You was on a roll. (laughs) (laughs) You done rolled off the wall, boy. All right. So, let's skip ahead. All this crazy Jerry Springer shit's going on. Uh, Sonny's going to get divorced from his wife. Cheryl's going to get divorced and remarried and divorced again. And then they're going to end up settling down together and marrying in 2004. Of all the Jerry Springer shit you can think of, that's the tippy top of the cake right there, man. She's going to marry the man that got her her suicided husband's heart. That's crazy. What the fuck? Yeah, and then, here's my thing. She convinces him, Sonny, to build a house on land that he had bought in his hometown to her specifications, and they moved into a mobile home together. I know that's a mouthful. Wait, you want me? To do, you want me to give you the Reader's so, Digest? So version? they build a house. Cheryl convinces Sonny to take some land that he has in his hometown mm-hmm. and build a house mm-hmm. to her specifications. Mm-hmm. He foots the bill. And buys a single wide for them to live in while the house is oh, being built. Oh, while it's being built. I got you. Okay, okay. I thought you meant that they built this house but then decided to live in a single wide. Like nobody would do that. I'm with you now. I'm back. I'm back on the. I'm back on the same page with you, buddy. Now, this is fucked up. I know that you think that it can't get much more Jerry Springer fucked up. Hit me. So, in May of 2002, Cheryl left Sonny's ass. Oh, shit. And so, Sonny promptly sued the fuck out of her, (laughs) accusing her of reneging on some loans and refusing to return a diamond ring. She countersues him and claims that Graham, I'm sorry, that Sonny had become more possessive and threatened her when she told him their relationship wasn't going to work out. 
during the middle of this whole fucking I'm gonna sue you, you gonna sue me, she decides that there's this correction officer at a Georgia prison that's caught her eye and she marries Mr. John Johnson Jr. Husband number four. Wait, so what? So they were dating? Yes. So Sonny and them were dating. So this was before they got married. Yes. Okay. This is between. This is between. All right. Let's back up because obviously we're all confused. Yeah. I no. That's this is my fault. I'll take responsibility for that because I didn't know about that and I wanted to go ahead and jump ahead to the marriage. Well, no, no, no. Because this is confusing as fuck. Because if you read it the first time, it sounds like he gives her away and then they hook up, but that's not the case. He gives her away. Mm-hmm. She has a son by husband number three. Mm-hmm. She then has an affair on husband number three with Sonny, convinces Sonny to build her a house on his land and buy her a single wide to live in while the house is being built. They're not married at all. And then he gets pissed off when she kicks his ass or tries to kick his ass out of the trailer and the house that he's building. And then she decides to marry another guy, husband number four. Holy shit. Yeah. Get you some of that shit. Unfortunately, I got ahead of us, and I didn't know about that Jerry Springer shit. But they're they're going to to get back together, and they're going to marry in 2004. And then Cheryl's going to start her same shit. She's going to start in on... Sonny, the same way she she started with Terry, gonna start fighting about money. That's never a good thing to fight about money. No, 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 no. Two things get your ass divorced: sex and money. And it's either lack of, or you having it somewhere else. Graham's gonna state that he felt pressure to give her a life of luxury. And over the nine years that they're married, he's going to pile up a whole lot of debt. More than he can afford to pay off. But it's not going to be enough. No, it's not. Do you know where they got married? I do not. It's not where, it's not in Trenton at the little fireworks stand where you can get married in the parking lot. Or Tim Wilson said you could when he broke down. You don't know about that one either? That's a whole nother episode. <laughs> Jesus Christ, no. Where do people... That we grew up, go to get married, if it's on a whim. Gallenberg? <laughs> what I'm talking about right there, buddy. <laughs> you got a Gallenberg, baby. They went to Almost Heaven Resort. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dude, I... <laughs> that, that, I set that one up on a tee and used like, Fuck. I'm putting it to dead center. Fucking Gallenberg, man. I wonder if Dolly's proud of what she did to that town. Yeah, she single-handedly employed everybody in the goddamn county. I mean, true, but... <laughs> I mean, there's there's good and bad in everything. <laughs> that place, I mean, how many goddamn hot sauce fucking stores can you have in a place? I don't know, but that place that makes the apple butter and the apple donuts right there. Oh, you God, yeah. Anyway. We're getting off the rails. Yeah, tune into our food podcast. Find us on... Ultimate Whopper Apple or pie Double Whopper with cheese? <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. Okay, no, I can't. I got to get this out of the way. Big Mac or Quarter Pounder? 
I have never in my life had a Big Mac. What the fuck? Never. Ever? Ever. Not one time. Why, what? Why would you? Well, I don't like them either, but goddamn, <laughs> I've had one. <laughs> when there's a double quarter pounder on the menu. I totally agree. Stop yelling. I'm sorry. Right. I'm passionate about my double it's, quarter pounder. It's late, and uh, she coach will come down here and whip both our asses. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, but why would you even have a, a double quarter pounder twice as big? It's real it has, meat. And has half the fucking bread. I'm with you right okay. there. Big Mac's got way too much bread. Why would I even try that? If you want a salad with Thousand Island on it, eat a salad with Thousand Island on it and a could, cheeseburger. I honestly couldn't tell you the last time I've been to McDonald's. I can't hear It's been a long time. All right, so yes. They do get married, and they actually attend a event at Hilton Head to honor families of organ donors. Oh, wow, that's cool. And the newspaper, The Island Packet, ran a story that says a love story unlike any told, and Cheryl is on record as stating, don't fall out on the hypocrisy here, it's true what it says in the Bible, if you live God's will and give with a happy heart, you will reap with rewards. Hold on. Sonny goes even one step further and says he put his life in God's hand and Cheryl was the answer to his prayers. Are you fucking kidding me? I am not goddamn lying to you. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) You're going to say that about your fifth marriage? I'm just telling you what the woman said. Don't shoot the messenger. The look on your face. If we could do that, just the, that's the look. That is just. <laughs> that was that was well worth me holding that nugget back just to see your reaction, dude. His mouth is open. There is utter shock on Coach's face right now. All right, let's get to it. <laughs> let's just get to it. All right, so okay, so dads are piling up. She basically saw him as paycheck. Yes, unfortunately. And the debts are piling up. The fights are getting worse. And on April 1st, 2008, Sonny Graham's going to take a shotgun, go out to his barn, put it to his chin, and pull the trigger. And go meet the Lord. So we have two husbands, two suicides, one heart. We have... Mr. Sonny Graham adapting several of the characteristics of Mr. Cottle. But the mystery here is, is it is there more to it than meets the eye? There's a thing called cellular memory, and there have been over 70 reported cases. There was a study done, an actual honest-to-God study. And we will post a link to... The article that references this study, and it spans other transplants. It spans kidney transplants, lung transplants, heart transplants, and it's it's eerily odd 
at some of the things. There's a woman that received a kidney transplant that read books. She was into history, mystery like Dan Brown. And then she had a kidney transplant, and she, within six months, started reading all the classics. And that's all she wanted to read. Yeah. Just completely changed taste in books. Yes. But there's several other cases that we could go into that we won't. But just people receiving organs and just completely changing. That's what they're uh, hypothesizing that happened here. Yeah, and this is in Vidalia, Georgia, where he goes and commits suicide. And I believe he was supposed to take her son to a dentist appointment. And he just turned around and walked out back and went to the barn. And And everyone that has gone on record about this that knew him stated that he was not depressed. Mm -mm. He did not seem depressed. But again... You never know. I mean, you never know. People. He had contacted his previous or his former pastor and said, "Hey, where were you approximately thirteen years ago?" I was waiting on the heart. The pastor's on record is saying that he was in. He felt like in the conversation he was in good spirits. Yeah, but everyone wears masks, man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. People don't know what no. goes on with other people. We just don't. No. The question is: Is could it be cellular memory? What makes you you? You know, well, it, 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 we have a brain. We think with it. But what exactly are you? What makes you who you are? I go back to his statement of when he, the first time he laid eyes on her, he knew he fell in love with her. Yeah, and that goes back to the I knew it in my heart that I loved that woman. Yeah. Well, we yeah we always associate that with the heart, but I mean DNA. I think is essential to who you are yeah. and you you 100%. have to take on another person's DNA another person's yeah. DNA becomes part of you and I think that when it comes to stuff like that you're in I think that our DNA can be um, and see we're getting into way wider topics than either one of us can fucking fathom so we're going to get fact-checked again. <laughs> but we we talk about, we, you said it earlier, deja vu, you know. You said this was deja vu. If We talked about this before. No, we didn't. I think that our DNA could be partly responsible for our experience with deja vu. Maybe because every ancestor we've had has passed something along to us. Maybe it's possible that somewhere inside that DNA they're able to transfer memories as well. And we experience deja vu. We experience all kinds of things that we can't explain. Maybe we can chalk it up to one of our previous ancestors experiencing something similar and we're recognizing it without knowing it. Yeah, I agree. So could it possibly be that Mr. Cottle passed along to Sonny a disposition of all these traits you know he Sonny clearly fell in love with Terry with uh um t- uh, Terry clearly fell in love with um Sherry that's obvious he married the woman and he tried to reconcile twice yeah maybe he maybe Sonny fell in love with with Sherry because he had the same disposition well maybe maybe he just had that same 
cellular makeup. Cellular memory. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's... Of the feelings that Terry had. And they're going to talk about a suicide gene. I don't know much about that. I don't either. But are some of us more... Um, well, we could chase the rabbit in... Is there a suicide gene? Is there a serial killer gene? Is there a criminal gene? You know, there, there's just a disposition in a lot of people. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, you can get in nature versus nurture all yeah, you all want. Yeah, you want to, yeah. I went to high school with two guys. They were twins. Identical twin brothers. One of them was in the drama department, wrote plays in high school, went to college for drama, wrote plays in college. I don't know what he's doing now. But I do know that he graduated from college and was relatively successful. And his identical twin brother serving life for double murder. It's crazy. I know a, a, a man that I talked with, he had twins. Uh, one was a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. The other one, polar opposite, debate team. Now a lawyer full ride Michigan State Law School. The two brothers get along just like you would think twins would. They, mm-hmm. you know, but polar opposites in mm-hmm. their their lives. It's, it, I mean, it just goes. I mean, it's it's really a philosophical discussion about well, and <laughs> what makes you you. Getting to the suicide, there's been a lot of flack. There's been some shade thrown towards the GBI. And that's the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. That they were quick to to rule that all it was was a suicide. And I'm not saying that it wasn't a suicide, but there's a lot. You know, his family feels like there was some extenuating circumstances that needed to probably be looked at. Well, the fact that Sherry did not act like a grieving widow at all. Oh, no, no, not at all, because within uh, six days after his death, she had uh, changed her, and this is dating it, (laughs) MySpace page to a photo of a man, and she had labeled it her new boyfriend. So within six days, the man's not even... The ground's not even settled over his grave. And she's got another another man in her life. That's crazy. It's, it's, but, you know, let's continue down the the cellular memory thing. I I think that, you know, we are on to something in that situation is that heart with, you know, just, just say Terry... Was there something that, like you said, a predisposition, or a not a predisposition, but a, a feeling of it wasn't over that he needed to try again because he was so distraught? Maybe. I mean, that's that's interesting. What drove um, what drove Sonny to contact her in the first place? Yeah. You know, he said it was, you know, he wanted to thank him, but... And then once could he, it have been possibly something inside him that needed him that he needed to yeah. do it? 
what would make Cheryl fall for him? You know, she's 35, he's damn near 70. That's, I mean, could she have seen a, could she have felt a connection? Connection. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to go back to her dealings, and this is kind of backtracking a little bit, but, you know, she had married husband number four, Mr. Johnson Jr., and they had actually met when she was a contract nurse for the prison system. And he is on record as saying that uh, within a year of their marriage, it began to crumble. And on Thanksgiving of 2003, sheriff deputies were called, and both her and Mr. Johnson were accused, I'm sorry, were accusing each other of domestic abuse. Mm. Johnson says that during Christmas of that same year when they were trying to uh, reconcile that one evening they were laying in bed together and Cheryl began talking about suicide. And when she failed to return from a trip to the bathroom, he went to investigate and found her kept clutching his twenty-two caliber revolver. And they wrestled over the pistol and he says that her children and her mother rushed in and she then accuses him of trying to shoot himself and it was at that time that he was like fuck it I'm done I'm out oh so maybe the cellular it's easy for you to say tongue tied oh let's do it again nope cellular (laughs) memory cellular memory is bullshit and we got a murder on our hands. Extremely, she's her behavior is extremely, extremely odd. Um, somebody contacted Johnson, and uh, he's on record of saying that uh, anyone who gets involved with Cheryl is in for an emotional roller coaster. And he is says, and I quote: "One day she hates you, and one day she loves you, and the next day she may try to kill you." Ugh. He says, I guess I'm lucky to be alive. Wow. Yeah. That's some... Mm. Some dark shit, bud. Yeah, it is. That's some damning uh, testimony right there. So maybe she should have been investigated a little bit more. Yeah, I... You know... I wonder what she's up to now. Oh, God knows. Don't know telling. Hell, that's 15 years ago. I wonder if she's on husband 8 or 9 or 10. Because she was already... Six days after Graham commits suicide, she's already on number six. Yeah. She was working on it, so... Yeah. So you get into two theories. Is it, like you said, the cellular memory, or is it... She's a black widow. I mean, it's extremely, extremely odd. One of the... uh, What does she look like? I haven't seen a recent photograph, but when there's two photographs, her standing next to Terry when they got married, and then her standing next to um, Sonny, and it's uh, one of the the threads on Websleuths, and I laugh at this because it's just dark. But they wanted to know was his was that heart donated again? Oh God, that's. <laughs> That's a good question. 
All right, and then this one is extremely dark, and I find the humor in it and this, the dark side of this. And it says, this is from Curious One. It says, see, part of me says, gee, the poor woman hasn't been... Hasn't she been through enough already? How could he do this to her? He said, and then on the other hand, part of me says, at some point, he probably thought to himself, Jesus fucking Christ, I know why the first guy tried to kill himself. Wow. <laughs> I know it. It's bad, man. There's And those comments just keep going. All right, well. If you research this case, and you do get on Web Sleuths, it's not until page three of the web sleuth thread that you actually get into more of the factual evidence. All of the articles that are referenced in the web sleuth thread have been disabled. Someone had screenshotted and copied and pasted on page three some of the things that were said that we mentioned in one of the articles. So, you know, this is a this is a head scratcher to be honest with you. Take away the heart transplant. She's fucking evil. I mean, she's she didn't kill all of her husbands, but she drove two to suicide if you don't even consider cellular memory as a, a plausible theory. Well, I I think it's I think it's my opinion, I think it's a both. I think this is a case of both cellular memory and Product of the toxic marriage that drove a man to suicide. Whether or not he inherited the tendency to commit suicide from his donation or not, we can't say. But taking on the um, characteristics of of uh, Terry instantly falling in love with Sherry, I. Th- I mean, we've got to consider cellular memory. Oh, I, I'm totally on that side of it. I, I feel like if you just take away her craziness and all the shit surrounding her, mm-hmm. and you look at the fact of what he's on record of saying, you know, he reaches out to thank them, and then he feels, like you said, a need to meet her in person. And then once he lays eyes on her, he instantly falls in love. I think that's totally cellular memory. It's very strange. And then she has the power of persuasion to make him bankroll her a new house and take care of her kids. And, you know, he was going to take her son to the dentist the day he committed suicide. And I don't know if we touched on it. We kind of hinted about it, but just to get it out there, he commits suicide on the 1st of April and Terry committed suicide on the 31st or the 1st. I've read several things that say I mean, 13 the years same apart. exact day, though. And if you're into numerology, 13? Whew. I don't even start that shit. Because <laughs> I just think that, I mean. This is fucked up beyond. This is fucked up on several levels. Yeah. Well. So, let's get into our theories, which we've kind of danced around it but i am with you i believe this is a mixture of both yeah i I really do i think that you know him changing his demeanor never really liking hot dogs and beer and then that's something that you know he 
not really craves, but it's something that he it would eat like more pretty, often. You know, it seems like a pretty small change, but it's not. No. I mean... Like, if if I got a organ donation and suddenly... Stop drinking beer. Yeah. that Yeah, that's what I was about to say. If suddenly, I started craving uh, red wine, white wine, and vegetables. My wife would be like, who the fuck are you? Because I'm a meat eater and I drink beer. Yeah. Like, if all of a sudden my I started listening to rap music and eating broccoli. <laughs> Kicking a hackishack. Yeah. Like that is a, an extreme change. Yeah. So if you go from not I don't like beer. I don't like uh Hot dogs. I don't like hot dogs, and then suddenly you're craving them at every meal. Yeah, that's a big fucking change. So, clearly it's a case of, I think it's a clear case of cellular memory. So, And like we said, there's studies out there, and you can research it on your own. But for us, I think we're in agreement here. I think it is a mixture of cellular memory and a mixture of a toxic relationship that she just happens to be a part of five different times two of which to the same heart Mm -hmm. so we get into recommendations this week i am going to recommend a podcast and it is that changes from case to case they basically the first one was the atlanta monster then it was uh the child killer yeah that was the, oh, okay so i was yeah. like if that ain't the child killer i don't know who that is i need to look it up and then the second season was um the zodiac killer and then this season they are doing the dc sniper and so if you are that dc sniper man that was that was some scary shit right there. Yeah, and they I'm on episode three of the DC Sniper case and they do a they do a tremendous job. It's through iHeartRadio and they do this year the guy that originally started the podcast that did both the Atlanta Child Murders and uh the Zodiac, he has kind of stepped away and he's only producing it. They've actually gotten a reporter from Maryland that was deep into the DC Sniper case and he is the main person yeah it's very very well put together very well produced dude the 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 level of thought and the meticulous nature that those two gentlemen but the randomness is what just boggles your mind i mean they interview people that were in proximity you know within mere feet of people that got shot and it's almost like that survivor's guilt that has taken part of their life. You know, if I hadn't have done this, if I hadn't have done that, then I would have been out of my vehicle or I would have been in front of this window or in this parking lot at the time. And it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. The randomness of it is very strange. And like, try to explain to some of my students when I taught seniors, I was like, every choice you make leads to something. And people, every choice they made up until that moment led to a random act of violence. What if they had decided not to stop at that gas station? What if they had decided, what if they decided to go to a different college 
and they never ended up in DC. Yeah. Or or they they chose a different profession, and they, I mean every choice you made in your life led to that moment. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just so fucking crazy, man. All right, so moving on, to, <laughs> I'm going to recommend a YouTube page called Chills, and it's a weird page because I can't stand the dude's voice, man. <laughs> I really don't like the dude's voice, but I do like his content. He puts on very uh, uh, lists of scary videos, weird videos, and then it's countdown form, which I'm a sucker for. But his voice is terrible. But I do love. I do like countdowns. It has been discussed. I w- you can ask my wife, man. I watch any. I will watch any fucking countdown you put on the TV. It doesn't matter what it is. The the top two girls one cup. No. <laughs> the top ten best rices. Holy shit! Oh, number nine, brown rice. Cilantro lime coming in at five. <laughs> I watch it. I, I, I'm a su- I am a sucker for it, but. Watch him for the content, but if if you like his voice, good for you. But man, I just can't stand it. But I'm still gonna give him a shout out because his content's so good. So give it a listen. Again, um, we appreciate the five star reviews. We appreciate the listener interaction with the emails. Yeah, if um, if you want to reach out, I, we're gonna I'm gonna try to do a mini episode on uh, like a, a AMA ask ask me anything type thing. So if you have any question that you would just want to ask or Anything you'd like to know, something like that, just shoot us a message on any of the social media platforms, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. That'd be awesome if we can actually get legitimate questions and not shit I made up. <laughs> yeah. Or if you would like for us to discuss uh, some of the cases that we've gone over, what we have, you know, we still kind of, at least I do, kind of go back and look every once in a while at some of the other cases see if there's been any traction on them absolutely if you've got something especially like the man that did the uh, Gary Sudbrick case if you've got something in there that you'd like for us to discuss or you have something that uh, that you researched and you want our opinion on let us know we've got about six listener cases that are we've went ahead and just pushed up front so we're trying to yeah but it's my, crazy man I got a good list of cases man my list is well over 100, well over 100, but that's a good thing to have because we're not planning on stopping this anytime no. soon. So. And if you, we still have uh, stickers available, decals, uh, reach out to us. We're going, we're still kicking around the Patreon idea. We don't want to do a content-based. We just need to release it. Just be yeah. like, look, if you, if, you, if you like us and want to support us, donate a little bit of your money that would be great but again I, I don't we didn't start this to make money so I feel I would this is a hell of a lot cheaper than my other hobbies yeah I, I feel <laughs> yeah for real <laughs> I would feel bad if we were like oh you have to buy a subscription to our Patreon to you know listen to our super special mini soda or mini mini brew or whatever fuck that shit yeah and I, and I don't feel like we need to pigeonhole certain cases to a patreon no no I, I mean there's a lot of stuff that you know we've had some some listeners ask us 
our takes on some big cases and um I, eventually we are going to get to those and we'll put our spin on a couple of them one thing i saw on twitter was like um pod chaser asked if you could interview anyone dead or alive any if you could interview anyone on your podcast who would you choose i was like maura murray yes because <laughs> she's alive she's dead in a hammer she is not she is alive <laughs> she's living in toronto buddy well you know her old boyfriend's turning out to be a fucking scumbag yeah, he's going to jail but he still didn't do it but we've let this bastard go too long. You got anything else on uh, Sonny Graham or... I literally don't have any. Double Whopper with cheese? It is a good sandwich. <laughs> Deuces!